Welcome to Torah Smash, the podcast for nerdy Jews, where our lives of Jewish learning collide with our love of nerd culture. In each episode, we discuss what we lovingly call a Torah Smash, which we have defined as a beautiful collision of one thing from the world of Judaism with another from nerd culture. I am RDY, and joining me today are Barack Malkin, Ethan Lane Miller, Rabbi Elisa Kopel, but you can call me R.E.K. That's right. Our episode is Rabbi Elisa Capel, known today as R.E.K. and sometimes at camp. She is the director of education at Beth David Reform Congregation in Gladwin, Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia. She has had diverse experience as a rabbi and educator, including both synagogue and organizational work, with much of that time spent in the world of informal and experiential Jewish education. She loves spending summers at Reformed Jewish summer camps, where we met in 2002 (laughs) at Crane Lake Camp. She serves at camps in a variety of capacities, most recently on faculty at URJ Six Points Creative Arts Academy. She is also involved on a North American level in the Central Conference of American Rabbis, the Women's Rabbinic Network, and the Association of Reformed Jewish Educators. Rabbi Capel grew up in Westfield, New Jersey, where she was very active from a young age in Jewish life at Temple Emmanuel. She graduated from Brandeis University. There are Jews at Brandeis? Who knew? And earned her ordination as well as two master's degrees from Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion. Woo-woo. R.E.K. I'll add a woo-woo. Woo-woo. What? What? <laughs> R.E.K. enjoys using the world outside of the synagogue in her Jewish teaching and uses social media as a platform for Jewish expression. In her free time, all of her interests are geeky and or nerdy, including but not limited to the New York Times crossword puzzle and spelling bee, good storytelling, the Oxford comma, I love that, the Boston Red Sox and other New England sports ball teams. <laughs> Welcome to Night Vale. Various movies and TV shows, Purim costuming, show tunes, cooking, baking, games with her friends. She's happiest when multiple of these pursuits come together, like with her Chala Midrash. She also proudly drinks iced coffee year-round and makes me very jealous with her pictures of beautiful egg dishes regularly. Welcome, Ari. <laughs> Welcome. Yay. Thank so you so much. To have you. Good to see all of you or hear all of you, I guess. I'm so excited that you're here. Oh yeah. I'm really happy to be here. Uh, both I feel like I'm like a little awed by, by being like you've had like such like big guest hosts, and I'm like little old me. So yeah, thanks. <laughs> oh, you're cooler than you know. <laughs> All right. So is it my turn now? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah. Take so, it away. To to begin, to begin. It's time to play the theme song. It's time to turn on mics. It's time to meet the co-hosts on the Torah Smash tonight. And yes, my friends, we are talking about the Muppets. That was a great, oh, yes. that was a great lead in. Kermit, well, love it. That, why? Thank you. I, I'm like, oh, I can play with the theme song. Yay! Everyone did <laughs> that, I think. So yeah. So a few years ago, I met a friend for the first time, and she and her husband asked me, "So, what's your biggest fandom?" I'm like, "Oh, that's a great get to know you question. I'm going to start using that." And I went through a couple different answers, and then finally said, "Oh, wait, no, no, no! It's Muppets. The answer is Muppets." And so here I am to talk Muppets with you. I'm so excited. Poetic. Oh my god, I I'm am so excited too. too. Talking about Muppets writ large and focusing more on Muppet Show Muppets than Sesame Street Muppets, but really all Muppets are good Muppets. If Fish so, wasn't my favorite band, it might be Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. 
Oh, they're a great band. That's when um, I wait. Can I tell a side tangent story right there? My, uh, are you asking permission? Or- <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask your Please, please, uh, rabbis, can I get I jump in here? My cousin at their B'nai Mitzvah had the DJ do this like who knows them best sort of game. And they got to what is their favorite band? And nobody was guessing it. And the DJ then gave a hint and said, the initials are EM. And this isn't like a core memory for me, but I have a distinct <laughs> memory of at that moment looking at my cousin and them looking straight at me and giving me this sort of just a face of, yep, it's that. And so I just <laughs> I shouted out Dr. Teeth and the Electric, Electric Mayhem. Mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Absolutely. Shout That's out to amazing. Parker. So I know you I know you just discussed this on your first episode, um, but in case answers have changed and I honestly can't remember what any of you answered. Who's your favorite Muppet? Oh, easy. Fozzie. Oh my God. So difficult. This was the first question my wife and I asked each other too. And her favorite is Beaker. If anybody's curious. Uh, My answer is also Beaker. Nice. Nice. I have so many. Do I have to have one? Yes. Pick a favorite or several favorites. Your call. So I have a soft spot in my heart for some, for different reasons. I'm going to go with Gonzo. Nice. Good choice. Wait. Uh, uh, Rek, what's who's yours? So I'm going to go with Statler and Waldorf. Um, I like them both equally. You got like two. Why did I get two? Because <laughs> they like go together. You almost never have one without the other. Gonzo and Camilla. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I've just finished a rewatch of all of the original Muppet Show, and cool. their relationship goes back like to original Muppet Show time. Which I and, did and we not remember. For Susan, uh, Camilla is Gonzo's favorite chicken. Yeah. Arguably chicken girlfriend. Arguably chicken girlfriend. And still favorite, I would assume. And still favorite. I I would assume so. And <laughs> interestingly, that all of the Muppets you named could be arguably Jewish. I mean, scientists are Jewish, aren't they? Fozzie's <laughs> so, also- sense of humor is very Borscht humor. Yeah. Agree. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you've read about the, the theory that all blue Muppets are Jewish. I have blue? read that theory. Oh. Yes. All blue Muppets are arguably Jewish. I don't know if Maybe. I believe it. No, Sam but it works for the purposes of this comment. It's Sam the know, Eagle man. that throws me in that theory. That's, would, that that was exactly where I went, Barack. Sam uh, the Eagle Sam throws the Eagle. me in the theory. Would would we call them bluish? Oh, yeah. But Gonzo's definitely Jewish. <laughs> They're not practicing blues. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, they've perfected Moving it. on. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Although I will note that Grover is canonically Jewish. Oh. Like, because of... Like, in, in some of the books, he actually talks about, like, he goes to his family's theater, and there's a couple other places where it comes up that he is, like, actually Jewish. Is he the only one? Does he cross over into Shalom Sesame? Yeah. Grover's in Shalom yes. Sesame. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. And now we know why. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wait, um, Gro- wait, but Grover is on Sesame Street. Grover's a Sesame Street Muppet. Right, yeah, but, but he crossed Shalom over Sesame. to Shalom Sesame. Yeah. Oh, I okay, I see. Shalom yes. Sesame has its own. Oh, I see what you're saying because right. they're they're all like their own people. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. All right. What's like your earliest Muppetness that you remember in your own life? Other than Sesame, Sesame Street, 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 I'm assuming Sesame Street is everyone's actual. Okay, good, answer. good. Because I'm mean, other than yeah, that, that's... other than Sesame Street, what's like the earliest iteration of the Muppets you remember? The Muppet uh, Show, the original Muppet Show. I remember watching the original. That with my okay, parents right, because you're about my age. Original broadcast. Yeah, that that I'm the oldest 
one. Oh, I need to check the date on something. <laughs> oh, so this is well, an easy state checking. <laughs> this is an easy one for me. Growing up in my house on the wall hung my dad's signed Muppet fan club Ooh. certificate with the whole cast and signatures from cool. Kermit and Miss Piggy and Jim Henson. So every day going up and down my stairs, I saw all of the Muppets in my house. So that is That's my amazing. earliest reference. Yeah. Okay. Ethan, did you look up your date? Yes. So it was either reruns of Muppet Babies or, ah. or it was the movie Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, good stuff. Ah. Which is a good, it's one of the better of the Muppet movie movies. Mm-hmm. Other than the original, which is by far my favorite. Oh, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, my answer would also be the Muppet show, which I rewatched recently. I think I said that already. And wow, the 70s were a really weird time. Yeah, right. It did, it, <laughs> like, like, really? Yeah. Super weird. And and like the caliber of stars that they got on that show, it's on Disney Plus. You can look like really, really high level famous people who were doing John Denver like their first. Was he in the first? Um, I don't remember who was the first and the order that they aired in the US is different than the order that they're on Disney Plus. The I just looked it up. The first episode was Joel Gray. Yes. Yeah. Do we need to answer? Do we need to describe who Joel Gray is to anyone? He's an actor. He did some amazing roles, but I think the one he's most known for was Chicago. Yeah, I would cabaret. say cabaret. Oh, sorry. Cabaret. Yeah, cabaret. I meant I actually did mean cabaret. Mm-hmm. I saw I was him. Thinking, welcome to did. cabaret. You know, welcome. from Chicago. <laughs> they <been> <laughs> welcome to cabaret in Chicago. To Chicago. Um, to that yeah. I watched. I got to see him perform as the wizard in. Wicked. Oh, that's amazing. I, I have not. I have not seen Wicked. It's very good. They're making I, a movie. I, they've been making a movie of Wicked for like fifteen years. Well, they just announced <laughs> it'll be split into two parts, so I think it's actually in oh. working. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think my Jewish connection is? Yes, my. Oh, I thought we were just going to talk about the Muppets all day. Um, <laughs> oh wait, that guessing... would just be Smash. <laughs> I'm guessing it's not that the Blue Muppets are Jewish. No. <laughs> Because I already gave you that away. Is it like vaudeville and Jewish theater? It is not, but that would be a good one. Mm. Wait, can we get like a Jewish charades category? Is this Bible? Is this values? Is this prayers? Is this? Uh, so I, I have two different answers. Mm-hmm. I have one that is a text from Pirkei Avot mm-hmm. and one which is a general Jewish value. Okay. Like, I, I will accept either and they're like both the same thing. But yeah, Is it going to be something about working together? If we're talking like all Muppets and they all sort of like have these different different personalities and characteristics, but they come together to put on a show, uh, they come together to save the theater, they can kind of yes, but not really. Okay. Like if you go like that is part of it, but like if you go down that train of thought, you're gonna be wrong. <laughs> okay. Is it the it's gathering? Not, it's people? not a kumbaya. Oh, it's not a kumbaya. Is it what? It's not the ga- kumbaya. I would like gathering of disciples kind of thing, but um not unrelated. Can I ask for a, a little more specific? So the Muppets at large, we're just talking Muppets. The, the Muppets idea at the... large. The Muppets at large. Wait, they're missing? <laughs> what? The Muppets, Muppets are missing? Muppets are at large? <laughs> <laughs> Think about me and what you know about me in my career. Uh, is it about... Oh, 
I know. Uh, um, it, can take, I, oh, taking ahead. on multiple roles, on being <laughs> dynamic, being creative, being great. Because all I those have do a, describe you. I have a one <laughs> word. Thanks. I have a one I, word. I, and some I of those, it's... yes, but what's your one word? Ruta. No, but that would be good. Oh. Does it and, have, and not it, totally unrelated. I'm thinking. I'm trying to come at it from a different angle now. Is it? Does it have to do with? I'm like, like dancing over there. Does it, I'm dancing. <laughs> does it have to do with like how one person plays multiple roles as a Muppet? Okay, I'm saying no, just because not, not really. Like I could argue my way into making that fit, but no. Uh, you're thinking way too. Can you narrow us with your with your area or Vegas? Un unnarrow widen us. Uh, again, think about the main portion of my career. I would what hate... I'm especially good at um, creative with whatever other nice things Ethan said. <laughs> I would hate to play charades with you. It seems like you're the person who, after they do a motion, just like does like the same motion. You're like, you're not getting it. Dude. I'm going to do the same thing again. <laughs> think about this harder. <laughs> it's not like Tarfan, Rabbi Tarfan, is it? That's not what you're going no? for. I'm just going now. I'm now. I'm thinking through Pierre Cabo. Yeah, I think I think you might have stumped there, us. There's at least one Nifty song from the quote that I was using. It's not Hillel, is it? But old school, not Hillel. Because we've done, we did that at Back to the Future. I think you may have stumped us. Um, what's what's your? Do not make a familiar friend of the government. <laughs> RDY is not giving up. <laughs> <laughs> I do not give up. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how else to hint this. Bring us real close. Think about what I could have learned from the Muppets as a model. Think of what you could have learned from the Muppets as a what? As like a role model for what's of something that's been helpful in my career. Asusia Glatora? <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you want the answer? No. No. Really? <laughs> Ethan does. I, I, don't I say yes. Two to three. Takes us Two to three. We want hour. the answer. Two to three. just hiding. RDY does not give up. <laughs> Ethan said yes. 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 You have one more guess, RDY, <laughs> and then I am telling you the answer. Is it who is wise? Yes. Oh, oh my wow. God. Oh. Well done. <sighs> All right. First, I'm Susan can. about 4 1. Yeah. Who is wise? One who learns from every person, as oh it said. God. And I, I never focus on the proof text of this, but I like it. Um, from all who taught me, I have gained understanding. My broader answer was Jewish education, because that's no. what I do. Oh, You're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, now I'm nice. upset. I like this quote. This is, this, I should have been able to guess this. You should have. You all should have gotten this. <laughs> I Dude, did. I, mean, I told you to think about my career. I'm an educator. Hello. But yes, Jewish education is the general answer. Benzoma, who is wise, is the specific answer. Well done, RDY. Very nice. So I've learned as, many things. As a fellow as puzzler. I appreciate letting me work out the answer. For our Susans, can you give us a little more background on the Who is Wise quote? Sure. Hi, Susan, by the way. <laughs> so in Pirkei which is a part of the Mishnah, but it often goes standing on its own. It's kind of like the best quotes of the rabbis. It says, who is wise? So, like, And it actually goes through a whole list of attributes. But the first one is, who is wise? And while we might often think of wisdom as something that's way up there and way pretentious almost and like yes i'm a very wise person in fact ben zoma says he was one of the rabbis who is really wise someone who learns from every other person so it's not that you went to school longer it's not that you 
did any of these special things. It's not that you went to graduate school. It's not that you have a college degree. It's that you learn from everyone because everyone has something to, to teach us. And it gives us a proof text, kind of a quote from the Bible that proves that it's right or proves that it's connected is from all who taught me, I have gained understanding. So in order to really get understanding, we need to learn from all other people or all other Muppets as the case mm-hmm. may be. So I'm going to kind of break this down into lessons that I've learned as an educator from the Muppets. Oh, I love one this. is that's great. And then we'll discuss each one. That's how I did. Yeah, this is down. great. So number one is that education can be funny and that learning can be fun and funny. And I think back to what I often answer as what's your favorite book or your most influential book. What I often answer is the monster at the end of this book, because that is the book where I learned that books and reading can be hilarious. And that is really like the, it's really a funny book. There's I mean, a, another more so if you're like one. three, but like even as an adult, it's really funny. It's a great, I remember that book. And there's another great book that's on that same level called We're in a Book. No. Oh, yes. It's fabulous. And you yeah. like, you, it's, it's With like, the piggy the and reader, elephant. Yeah. It, it's meant to read to yeah. a child. And as you're reading it, the, the reader is the butt of the jokes. Yeah. It's right. fantastic. Oh, just like uh, BJ Novak's, this, the book with no pictures. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. I was going to reference that book. Yeah, that was what I was thinking of. That's another good one. Yeah. So, adding to the books can be funny, and learning can be fun and funny. And I would even make the argument that some of the best learning is through laughter. You know, there's a I don't remember where I read the statistic, but if you if you're making up a mnemonic device like the when the letters match different words, that if you make it a little bit funny or a little bit risque, you are far more likely to actually remember Mm -hmm. it. So, you know, if you say, my book is good, you're never going to remember what those letters stand for. If you say, I can't think of a good one. Um, (laughs) The one that I learned from my science teacher in chemistry in middle school, as um, kids have dropped over dead converting metrics, which are the kilo metrics, like the when you're doing that oh, like oh, oh, oh cool. decimal marks hey eight, yeah i uh, like i still i still use that as a mnemonic yeah the, the one that i use is for the seven deadly sins is yeah. lap eggs lap <laughs> eggs cool all right the other thing is that learning doesn't only happen in classrooms the muppets are really all about experiential education i define it as the learning that we associate as happening at camp or in youth group that most of the Muppets happen in the studio, but, or on Sesame Street, but really none of that is in the classroom. And thinking about Sesame Street as an edu- educational innovation, that is all about watching TV and learning things. It was the late 60s answer to getting kids ready for kindergarten. But really, like, it continues to be a show where kids learn. And it has literally nothing to do with the classroom. I'm pretty sure they almost never even show a classroom. I'm sure there is one episode and someone's oh, going to say, no, there's that one. There's, someone's <laughs> going to well actually me on that and whatever. Like by and large, they are not in classrooms. They are just learning from the world. Having my experiences knowing you, R.E.K., through the experiential lens, like I'm, I'm, I'm loving this through Nifty, through camp. Yeah, the yeah. I think I think Sesame Street touches on this a little more directly than The Muppet Show because Sesame Street is all about it's really geared towards the kids more. And I think, I think the Muppet show was made for adults, but because they're Muppets, 
it ended up being for kids. That's going to be my next point. So hold that. Oh, uh, yeah, hold that one. We'll go back. And so the <laughs> all of Sesame Street is all learning on the street in their neighborhood, out with the community, and a you know it takes a village sort of phrasing. But the Muppets are teaching us and all of these outside of their theater, out of their classic theater, they love to explore other areas. And I often, when I give examples on why I love when universes come together, like like with Torah Smash about Judaism and nerddom, often I will reference the Muppets as another really great property that does awesome smashes with if you take the Muppets and the Pirates, you get Muppet Treasure Island. If you take the Muppets in space, the Muppets with Wizard of Oz, the, like they have done so many really awesome things when two different worlds come together. And I love it. And I also model that regularly with when I have done experiential education, I always try to take something that we are doing in the text or values or the prayer or whatever, and take something else that is interesting to those group of people that I'm learning with and bring that into the fold. Because back to your first point of learning can be fun. I struggle with that. Can There seems to be this negative connotation around learning and education, but learning can be fun because people just talk about schooling and education as this really boring thing that you have to do instead of stepping back and realizing the benefits of exploration and creativity and getting outside of your bubble and your box to discover these things. So I, I love that the Muppets do that all the time. It's one of the reasons why I enjoy them. Yeah. 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 And I'll add like using Muppet Treasure Island as an example, the Muppets have Easter eggs in all, a lot of their stuff. Yeah. Um, and my favorite is in Muppet Treasure Island where Kermit says to the Miss Piggy character, who's Wilhelmina, I believe, or something like that, says, don't cry for me, Wilhelmina, <laughs> which is a really funny line if you get it. Yeah. <laughs> and also that had to encourage Avita, Avita, a musical. <laughs> what, David? I, what, what, that, that, that movie had Tim Curry in it, who is one of right. my favorites. Yeah. Yes. I mean, um, it's the whole, like, what do you know Tim Curry from first is the great question of our of our age. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that tells you how old you are. Oh, boy, what does Rocky yeah. Horror Picture Show mean? Right, exactly. It means We're, that you're old like us. Yeah, I don't know if I, like, can pinpoint the first thing I saw him in, but if I were to think back, I'd say Clue is one that often Yeah, I, I would say I, think I actually Curry. think I, I associate it with Clue, and I definitely saw Clue before I saw Rocky Horror, because mm-hmm. it was not age-appropriate when Clue was out. And it's possible I saw Muppet Treasure Island before those two, but I don't know if Tim Curry sticks in my mind as this character mm-hmm. character of a pirate as much as he does of this person in a suit or a t- like in right. many of his other roles. He's playing this elitist type ish in a in some better fashion than a pirate's outfit, and so. Yeah. But but not not in Rocky Horror. Not Rocky Horror, right? <laughs> <laughs> So this leads into, I teased before that point two, um, is that the Muppet Show teaches and Muppets in general teach that you can talk to or teach to two audiences at the same time. Mm. Just like mm. the Muppet Show was a definitely not a kid's show and having just rewatched it, it is definitely not a kid's show. But kids love it because, hey, it's the Muppets. They're cute and fun. And, but it's really an adult show. So like everyone's getting something out of it. And even on Sesame street, for those of you that have small children or had small children who are now not so small, 
Sesame Street has a lot of adult jokes in there that go entirely over the heads of the kids, Mm -hmm. but are definitely there to keep the parents entertained. And that you can be talking the same thing and reaching two different groups with it. Like, you know, I'll, I'll go rabbi for a second. You can be giving a sermon that is for one group and it's still a good sermon for another group, whether that's kids and adults, whether that's yeah. groups within the congregation, whether it's demographics, whether it's whatever, like we can be talking to more than one audience at the same time. I would go so far to say that those sermons are the only really good sermons if you can give them to every group. <laughs> um, right. I, I will also say that that the Muppet movie had a lot of that the over the kid. Sorry? The original the Muppet movie, not the Muppets. Yeah. And just making sure. Yeah. The Muppet movie had like just a ton of stuff. And I remember like watching that with my parents and my parents laughing and me going like that. I also have mm-hmm. a memory of my sister being born and not wanting to go away from the TV to find out if it was a boy or a girl. So like that was <laughs> my that like yeah. I have that memory. And I I remember learning what a cameo was from the Muppet ah. movie. Oh. Um, there's this moment where there's a, a guest actor who crashes into some trash cans and Oscar's there. And he says, what are you doing here? A very brief cameo. Me too. And my parents <laughs> thought that was hysterical. And I, and I had, to, and I didn't know what a cameo was. Oh, that's super and, fun. And I, by the way, the Muppet movie is also the second movie in history to have a post-credit scene. Oh, that's super fun. The the second, the the first one is the silencers in 1966, which I've never heard of other than researching this, but the Muppets have actually a couple of post-credit scenes. Yeah. um, Because they all leave the theater. The theater. Yeah. Which Muppet comes on, which Muppet comes on and says, what are you still doing here? Essentially. And then um, the Swedish chef says, the theme is okie (laughs) dokie. Wait, that is so in modern history, that was like the start in of all of history. No, I know, but I the cert the, the other only been around. that's that's awesome that they sort of helped to restart. I wonder what the next one after and that was. Really, and that's probably the nerdiest thing that there is, and that is probably why I always watch credits. That's fun. Because you never know. Um, back to your topic of how teaching to different age groups. I have two yeah. pieces. One, I saw a great video at one point of somebody explaining i think it was quantum physics to starting from uh somebody with a doctorate to a college degree to a high school student to a middle schooler to a four-year-old and explaining it in different using different language and i think that's an important piece because Mm. all of them could understand the one for the four-year-old and that helps to explain to you that you can talk about very complex things to anybody as long as you're using the right words right we have with our kids there's a great book series by Chris Ferry, and it's things like quantum physics for babies and optical physics for babies <laughs> and computer engineering for babies. And we have like a, a whole I set. Those. those They're fantastic. I love it. And it. I agree with you that it, you should always try to gear your lessons and your teachings to everybody in the room, whatever that language would mean to try to gear it to them because the older people can understand what the younger people mm-hmm. or, or, or the different people with different understandings might or have even vice versa or even <laughs> vice versa, that there's a way to find this common ground. You don't have to say, Oh, there, this is too, this is too high level for them, or this is too, mm-hmm. too many big words, whatever it is, find the right phrasing and right, right teachings. And then the other piece that I do want to say 
is there's a current show that does this really, really well. It's called Bluey. Yes. And uh-huh. I've never watched it, but I know that I should. You, this is I mean, my, I know I need to watch like one episode. I don't need to watch more than one no, episode. No, you have it is my f- new favorite show. I've already watched all <laughs> of the available episodes on Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus, right? Yeah. And they every episode I will say has what I call a show for the kids and a show for the adults. And each one, there's there's two storylines going on. And I definitely cried in at least four different episodes because Aww. of that storyline for the that the parents are watching. Right. And the kids just think it's a really funny show. My kid laughed all the time. They do a really great job of creating something for different audiences as well. Mm-hmm. So needed to throw that out there. We Bluey should also is... acknowledge the most recent episode published before this one mm-hmm. was on the the four children of the Passover Seder, which mm-hmm. is another example yeah. of speaking to different audiences. Yeah, the way, yeah. The way the it's funny. I, I almost used that as my Jewish text, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, something that's resonating with me in my professional life is a discussion I've been having recently about what does Shabbat look like at a JCC day camp where our community is anywhere from decently observant Jews to friends of Jews who are happy to be JCC members, but have never set foot in a synagogue in their entire life and only know about Judaism from TV. And so (laughs) as I think about camp this summer, you know, one of the questions is, what does it mean to observe Shabbat? How do we observe Shabbat for a community with such a wide range of experience? Yeah, when I was the assistant director at SciTech, I had to work with all of the lead instructors because when people come into, the, and this is not Jewish education, but this is just other education, you have people coming in that have spent years doing computer programming. And sometimes this is their first one in the door, but they're separated by age group. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you're teaching to all of those at the same time, there's a way to do it where nobody feels they're too far ahead. Nobody feels like they're too far behind. And I think it goes the same way when you're doing Jewish education, there's ways to have these conversations using these words where everybody is caught up. It's part of the reason why we like to make sure that Susan knows what's going on, because we know right. that Susan is listening. And we also know that my friend Jason is listening. And we like to explain the things to them, like that they all have the same common ground that we are starting with and being aware of that in the moment. Yeah. And I, I think part of the beauty of the RJ specialty camps, you know, the side pack and creative arts and sports is that there isn't an entrance exam for any of them. Like the kids come because they like that thing. They like science. They like, or technology. They like sports. They like art. They don't have to be the best in the world. Like they don't have to be the best actor who's like done an audition and submitted all their work. Like it's just, you want to do art? Great. You're going to do art. You want to do sports? Great. You're going to do sports. And the goal becomes everyone getting a little better at it. Yeah. And that, you know, like the JCC camps, a lot of kids go to the specialty camps because it's a good camp. And they want to do art or they want to do side tech or they want to do sports. And so you have kids. I mean, I know at CAA, we've had non-Jewish campers. I'm guessing that's true at the other two as well. And on the West coast and you have kids who are on the more observant side and on the less observant side. And yeah, the questions of how do we meet all of those needs is a big question and an ongoing question. And I think the Muppets does a great job of answering that. Let me also uh, right exactly yeah. and you can just do everything. Let me also jump in and say, moms and dads, grandpas and grandmas, send your kids to summer camp. There's <laughs> something for everyone. I think all four of us here are 
the people we are in part, if not in large part, due to Jewish summer camp. And it is a life-shaping experience every summer, one or two weeks if the camp provides it. But I was always an eight-week camper as a kid, so I, I just I love it, and I highly recommend it. I would love if there was a Muppet summer camp. Oh, my God. That was so Oh, I think that, we just came up with something. This would be amazing. That would be great. I think URJ6.CAA should uh, do Muppets this year. Super fun. I think that's a great idea. I'll talk to Jay, the new director. Yeah. Um, shout Hopefully out to Jay. Listening. Hi, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him to listen. But yeah, like, you know, in, in Hebrew school, we have these same questions of you have the kids who are super easy learners and come to services every week and know all the prayers. And you have kids who are not as quick as picking up at picking up the Hebrew and don't care as much and don't really want to be there. And like, how do you teach them both in the same classroom or, you know, how do you reach all of them and keep everyone interested and keep everyone learning something? Like no matter how much, you know, you can still learn something. I think, I think part of it's on the educator. You have to be paying attention and listening and observing what's going on with your, with the people you're learning with and, and teaching because if somebody is there outside of your bubble, it's obvious. And the Muppets had a number of episodes where they dealt with that sort of thing of, yeah. of some sort of outsider and how do you make sure that they're welcome. So go and reference as whichever one of those you want. Well, I mean, but, every episode of the Muppet Show because they always had a special guest. Oh, that's true. Who was like a guest, little and unsure. the guest was always an outsider. That's true. And like the in most of the episodes, they would come to like the front desk and the old guy who was at the, like the coat check guy would be like, "Hey, what are you doing here?" And then they'd be like, "Oh, I'm here for the show." Like. Oh, and then make some dumb joke, but like literally it was all about welcoming someone every time. Yeah. So lesson three. Quick quick question, Elisa. I'm very sorry. Yeah, sure. As the guest host of this podcast, have we been properly (laughs) welcoming to you? Absolutely. I have felt entirely welcomed. um, I had, you know, you were great with sending, sending emails beforehand to explain the process and what was going on and all of that and making sure that I understood it and um, got on early and you gave me all the things that I needed to know last minute. And I mean, it helps that I know all three of you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad. I've known you all for a while and I've known you all in different parts of the same life. Like you're all from my like Jewish nerdy campy life, but I know you all for like three separate parts of that. It's a little weird. Yeah. One of my favorite um, areas in which I know you is the CCAR conventions, during which at every business session, we can rely on you <laughs> to correct our grammar and make sure that whatever we're voting on has all the commas in the right places, the, <laughs> oh, that good. the verbs match the nouns, and that everything is is written in it's a true. language am, that is CCAR acceptable. It, that it, is highly needed. It's such I, a joy. I can't read it. To the point I, that I've actually gotten emails from presidents of the CCAR to say, I just want to run this by you before the convention. <laughs> <laughs> and then, if, and then if, whenever I get up with a comment, like with an actual comment about something we're voting on, I do need to preface it with, this is not about grammar. Because <laughs> otherwise, they're going to be mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so getting back to the actual show we're doing, part three, everyone can be a Muppet. And a Muppet can be anyone. And even on one of my other favorite fandoms is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And not on Buffy, but on Angel, which was a spinoff. Mm-hmm. 
Angel becomes a Muppet in one of the episodes. It's called Smile Time. It is one of the best episodes of the entire show. You don't really need to watch the rest of the show to enjoy it. So find whatever it's on and watch that episode. And the whole, in the newer Muppet movie or the Muppets, whatever it was called, the whole question of, are you a man or a Muppet? And I'm not sure they answered which is better, being a man or a Muppet. So I want to know what y'all think. I was going to ask this question. I lived in in Texas, and therefore I say y'all now. That was my little, I, I actually had this question set up to ask from uh, <laughs> my cousin Craig. I have this listed at the end. He's like, make sure you ask people if they're a manly Muppet or a Muppet of a man. I think that's my favorite part. And for of the purposes of this conversation, man means person. Yes. yes. It's just too good a lyric to actually change it. And because the person singing it originally identifies as a man. Also that. The favorite part for me of the song was when they start to to switch over that yeah. Brock, just, Brock yeah. just alluded to, where like, I'm a manly Muppet. I'm a Muppet of a man. That's That was my favorite part of the song, because like, aren't we all, aren't we all a little bit of everything? Aren't we all a little smashed? Ah, uh, uh, I see what you did there. That was nice. <laughs> Doing a little victory dancer. Wait, do, do, does anybody here consider themselves leaning one way or the other? You mean being a man or a Muppet? Yeah. I mean, I I have to feel like going back to camp, to do camp, you've kind of got to be an amalgamation of, of everything. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I think to be successful in many, many lines of life, you need to be a little bit of both. Is it bad then that I consider myself to be a little more leaning to the Muppet side of just no, silly and, uh, you know, take things seriously, but you've got to have a lighthearted attitude and be able to take it in stride and, you know, flail your arms every now and then like Kermit. But the, yeah. I think. And, and all... I'll say of everyone who's on this, on this Zoom, that I think that you would be the easiest Muppet to build. Thank oh, you. for like sure. If I can picture you as a Muppet, I can like picture you as a Muppet. Ethan's in second place for that. Anyone <laughs> was wondering, but I can totally see you as the Muppet. So that's, and that's a compliment. I love sure. that compliment. I think that's going to go on my, <laughs> on my LinkedIn. I think you also. <laughs> You also each have features that are very much like, okay, this is the Barack like, like features, Ethan with the hair. And like, you, you both have these features. Whereas I'm just like plain. I think you're no. Cause you've got the so, broadness. Be a, I mean, of, I'm beautiful. Be of everybody on this call, RDY, I've never seen you from the waist down. I don't know that you have legs to me. <laughs> you are a Muppet. You are possibly the most Muppet of everybody here. <laughs> you've never met. Not in person. Not in no. person. We've only seen each other on Zoom. I, Next year in Jerusalem. Um, and so <laughs> I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to be like, yes, stay down. You stay down. <laughs> just everybody. He's pointing to his Muppet, his Muppeteer uh, below, below the stage. Right. And by the way, on a couple episodes ago, um, RDY, you had mentioned that Swedish Chef is the only Muppet that has human hands. And that is accurate. And yeah, so you have hands. I wanted to, I want to clarify this because I was so confused in the conversation. There wasn't a distinction that was made. And what you meant was that he has no sleeves or gloves covering his hands. And that all of those other characters you talked about have human hands managing them. It's not like stick figure, stick finger hands. But his his hands are Muppet hands. The hands you see. Puppet hands. Right, the, the hands that you see are the puppeteer's yes. hands. Are the puppeteer's yeah. one of the puppeteers? What each what is, puppet has yes. like several puppeteers, by the way. Yeah. What no. is the opposite of being well actually? Because I think that's what just happened. <laughs> the, where I I sort of 
caved and said no it wasn't a well actually you're wrong this was a you're right let me reinforce that you're right (laughs) (laughs) that's called being a good educator oh i after the episode i went and i researched and i was like what is he talking about but now i know i understand now completely i'll roll the dog occasionally has a human playing piano for him but it's not the same muppet setup Right. No, but it's still his hands are in like Rolf's gloves. That's the piece. Like the chef's hands are exposed. And, you right, can see but it's, and it's only on certain scenes. Usually Rolf is just playing by pounding. Yeah, the it keys. just does yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But like if they show the occasional times that they show like actual keys being pressed by fingers, they're Muppet. But it's not hands. the same. Rolf has, oh, Rolf has four fingers and thumbs. And Most Dr. Muppets have four. Right. And Dr. Teeth has four fingers and thumbs. So Rolf has the three three fingers on each hand plus the thumb, and Doctor Teeth has has. So basically, Rolf is a cohane, is what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> well, that would be that would be two fingers and thumbs. This is, yeah. this is separated. Yeah, you got to keep. Or him. or he's Vulcan. I'll go with the Star Trek. Right for those that couldn't yeah. see and, and don't understand the cohane uh, for uh, my friend Jason. That means that they're holding up the Spock hand. Uh, and Wait, for my, friend, for my sister Susan, the Spock the hand is. <laughs> He's holding up the cocaine. <laughs> um, while we're talking about the Muppets movie from 2011, um, I also do yeah. want to talk about how my wife and I, for our wedding song, started off with this magic moment. And then we custom created a audio file, then immediately went into Life's a Happy Song from the Muppets. And Aww. we had choreographed an entire swing dance to life's a happy song it was fantastic that's so hard to not sing because we don't have the rights right (laughs) anybody is listening like one line you can sing like one line you can say life's life's a gefilte fish hey (laughs) yes it is (laughs) yes it is that was another great moment (laughs) and the look they give each other like i don't know what they're talking about Uh, yes it is which is which is actually a great example of learning from everybody that ability of saying like, yeah, you've got this thing that you're passionate about and we don't get it, but you clearly see the connection. So yes, it is. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So lesson number four, teachers don't have to take themselves too seriously. And this actually goes along with being a Muppet. Oh, but like yes. so yeah. many rabbis and educators and cantors and people who are not in Jewish careers, I guess take themselves so seriously and think that they can't be goofy. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love Quorum so much is that we get to be goofy and we get to be silly. And one of the reasons I love being a rabbi at summer camp is that they get to see me in shorts and a t-shirt being ridiculous. And I like being ridiculous anyway, so that's fun. But that you don't have to be so serious and take yourself so seriously in order to be a good teacher. I I say all the time, I take my job very seriously and myself not seriously. And 10 years ago, when I was interviewing for the job I have now, I had this conversation at the end of the first interview where I threw out a pun and the head of the committee threw out a pun and we went back and forth (laughs) punning with each other. And it was this awesome moment. And I went to my senior rabbi, um, shout out to Rabbi Alan Litwack. I said, you know, hey, this funny thing happened. And I told him what had happened. And he's like, well, you have to be careful that you don't get perceived as too goofy. And I said, mm. what I want to be perceived as is me. Mm. And if they don't if they don't want the puns on top of the the good, serious Jewish Amen. 
then they don't want me. Last year when I was interviewing for the job I'm in now, I colored my hair then it's purple. It's currently pink. But I had that same moment of like, oh, should I do this now? Should I just wait? But like, no, if they want to hire me, they're going to hire me. And that's who I am right now. And yeah. I like having pink hair. I, I am going a, back to purple, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I take a little... My hair doesn't take color. I take a little struggle with the seriously phrasing. I think this ties back to the the one of the other lessons you had about that the education can be funny word. I think this ties very well into that of, I agree a hundred percent with what RDY said of, I think that the people who are performing in Pormishpiels are serious because the holiday dictates that we should do something that you can't recognize the characters. And so right. you're seriously representing the holiday by doing this thing to show that there's this sort of confusion and mix up and misidentity and, and, and secret character piece going on that when you're being silly, I don't think it means that you're not being serious. Yeah. I think, right. Take our show, for example, right. We are doing these conversations about Jewish texts and we're serious about these, these conversations, but we're having a good time laughing about it. It doesn't mean that we're not serious. Right. And so I, I like RDY's messaging of well, the work is serious, but I'm going to be who I am. Yeah. So that's how it's. I like that framing as well. Yeah. When I, uh, when I worked with Nifty, one of the things I really tried to reinforce with the regional board was I take having fun very seriously, which, <laughs> which feels, yeah. feels like a kind of a, a different phrasing, but essentially reaches the same point, yeah. a way of to remind them of like, as seemed to happen with Nifty, getting stuck in the headspace of, we're going to write this program about poverty and this one about racism and this one about this and be like, okay. And when are we just having fun? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I have a, I don't think I currently have it in my office, but I will write it next time I'm in my office. Um, kind of my educational philosophy is that learning should be serious fun. Yeah. Right. It, you should be doing serious contentful learning and it should be fun. Like yeah. you, you need to bring them both together. Well, yeah. I think this yeah. ties back to your text of who is wise. Some of the learns from everybody. You need to have a variety of people around you to really grasp the idea of wisdom in, in its wholeness. Speaking of a variety of people, I've been waiting to ask this question of y'all, and I'm excited to hear your answers. Who's your favorite guest host from The Muppets? Oh, favorite guest host? I kind of really like Vincent Price as a guest host. That was a great partly episode. Because it. It's a great episode, and partly because, um, what's his name? Who's the spooky Muppet? I'll look it up. Mr. Something. Partially because that's where I believe he gets intros. But bits and price. Because he is so not a funny... I, his character is not a funny character, but he's really funny on the show. Yeah. So Thanks. I, I want to know everyone else's answers. I really like the serious acting against what's going on with the Muppets. And so I really love when somebody isn't placating to the Muppets and that they're just playing straight as a, as an actor. And so I, I'm going to use one of the movies. And so I really loved Michael Caine in Muppet Christmas Carol, the way that he played Ebenezer Scrooge, the, the seriousness against the silliness of the Muppets really, I think elevated that movie beyond he was never treating them as Muppets. He was treating them as equal players in that mm-hmm. film. And it made it amazing. And a lot of them do that. And so there's plenty other examples, but that one sticks out to me as like a really favorite combination live actor mixed with. Um, I love that. That's great. And um, also Uncle like, Deadly. The answer was Uncle Deadly. Uncle oh, yeah. Deadly. Yes. Nice. I will also say that 
I've not seen the Muppets Christmas Carol. It's really good. It is a good one. That's one of my it's like magically Jewish better, flaws. It's one of the better films of a Christmas Carol in terms of the literature and interpretation of that. It's one of the better tellings of it. I remember reading a Christmas Carol in school and being a little flummoxed. Oh, I never read it. Uh, that we had to read it, and I wa- I saw Scrooged, mm. and I've That's seen movies, movie. but I I just don't watch Christmas movies except for Die Hard and A Christmas Story. <laughs> Hmm. I love a Christmas story. I have not yet watched the new one, but anyway. I, you have an answer? Yeah, yeah, I have to go with Sir Patrick Stewart's appearances in Sesame Street. Nice. Where he takes of the course. very serious Shakespearean bee or not a bee, which <laughs> as I, I look this up online, said Stewart referred to the sketch as one of the two most distinguished bits of work I've done in the US. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can um, I ask can I ask a slightly alternate question? Uh, it is Muppets have done a wonderful job, as I said, smashing their universe with other universes. Yeah. What Muppet movie would you like to see made with an existing source material? Oh, Princess Bride. Hmm. Oh, I, that's not the way I understood the question. I love uh, that. Is that. Did I answer it correctly? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I like. like what your, movie would you like to see as a Muppet movie? And who yeah, would be like who would be the live action uh, character? Probably Buttercup. <laughs> or or possibly um, Miracle Max and Miracle Max. I can't remember her name. I I have an answer. It's not my own, but I saw it online and it stuck in my head. It would be Knives Out with Ooh. with Detective Blanc, Daniel Craig, everyone else Muppets. Nice. I love that. I like that's that. Fun. And he knows that they're Muppets, but doesn't think that's anything unusual. That's super fun. <laughs> that's not what weird. That is not the weird thing. Exactly. Yes. That's fat. And I was thinking I was going like action movie. I was thinking like John Wick. Oh. but like maybe maybe going the other way where like only john wick is a muppet (laughs) and maybe some of maybe some of like the only john the one muppet where where like he's but everyone thinks it's (laughs) thinks it's just normal and and maybe maybe like his wife and the dog were were muppets as well (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh these are great answers I would love I, to I see. I also my uh, other answer is sound of music. Sound oh, of music, nice. yeah, with no no humans. They're all mm. Muppets. I'd love to see a Don Quixote Muppets. Of course you would. Of course yeah. I would. I know. Of course you would. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Nice. That but, would... but going back, one of the things I love about the Muppet Show is seeing how the guest hosts interact with the Muppets, and some of them don't know what to do, but most of them. And some of them are like totally enamored and are geeking out and some of them just have fun with it and like play off the Muppet and like, and yeah. it's brilliant to see how the Muppets make the host comfortable, like as an actor, not as like the character of the host. I have there was an one more point. One, and then there was an later. interview with one of the guest hosts of the Muppets. I don't remember who it was. I want to say Elton John, but I could be totally wrong yeah. where he said that they work really hard to make sure the guest host is comfortable in the world. And he also said, if it was him, you don't look at Kermit and see Kermit as an extension of Jim Henson. You see Kermit as Kermit 
and Jim Henson will not look at you. He will only have yeah. you and yeah. Allah Shalom, by the way. And, yeah. and just like such a brilliant dedication to that craft. Yeah. Yeah. And for another example of that category, uh, Emmett Otter's Drug Band Christmas, which I think is a fantastic Hanukkah movie. Seriously, I think it's more Jewish than Christian. But um, but there's an outtakes reel from it, which is some of the hardest I've laughed in a decade or so. Look it up. Emmett Otter outtakes. It's really funny. Because Muppets don't really have outtakes because the whole thing. they're not human. All right. So my last point of things I've learned from the Muppets before my conclusion, um, is that everyone gets included. Kermit never says, no, you can't be on the show. It might be, not right now, you need to do it later. But it's always, yes, you can have a place, you can have a part. Everyone gets to have a part. No matter how weird they are, no matter how other they are, no matter what they look like or sound like or do, everyone gets to have a part. Even scooter i was gonna mention who, scooter <laughs> even scooter who only might only have a part because his uncle owns the theater right I, i'm enough of a geek to know that that everyone gets to have their part and everyone and i think that's so true uh, that should be so true for jewish education that everyone gets to have their part in the classroom and everyone gets to have their moment of shining being a star i love yeah. this beautiful yeah, yeah absolutely i will say though that then, scooter uh, often subtly strong arms Kermit into letting him be a part of the show in the first few episodes that there's often, Oh, my uncle's going to be so sad to hear about that. No, no, no. Oh, well you can go on next. Like you, we have this for you. Right. Right. So I hopefully, but, but also I think that fits because early in our careers, we don't know what to do with that stuff and we make yeah. mistakes. And it's only later on when we're more confident that we're able to say, no scooter, you need to wait your turn. Um, right. Well, also know, later on, whatever version of Scooter we're dealing, like I don't, you know, you know, whether it's the child of the biggest donor in the synagogue or whatever, it's you need to wait your turn. It's not the time yet, but you will also have your part. Right. But eventually, the Scooter says, becomes. Do you have a minute when you have your hand on the exit door. <laughs> right. It also be Scooter eventually becomes just a regular part of that crew as opposed yeah. to the strong armed. My uncle owns a theater, and so eventually right. <laughs> they learned it's not just that nepotism. that is not just nepotism <laughs> that he had a space and that, that they created that space right. for him. Yeah, it's awesome. So, in conclusion, unless someone else wants to ask a question, because that's what usually happens at the end of the episodes, it seems like <laughs> that one of the hardest things for me as a younger educator with transitions and especially in teaching that I never knew how to get from point A to point B without it being super awkward. And years ago, and I'm going to date myself with this, I had the timeline series of VHS tapes of the Muppet show because that was a thing that existed for a time. And they had voiceover on it and they had like, I guess the director's cut of like people talking about making that episode. And one of the, one of my favorite moments of it, I think it was Jim Henson's son who was saying it, this was years after Henson had died, was that Henson had this great theory that it's really hard to end a sketch. When you're not able to end the sketch, just blow something up. That's why Crazy <laughs> Harry exists as a character. And, and it's so true. Like sometimes you don't know how to end this lesson, have a dance party, do something weird, have something that just breaks that up and goes on to the next part that we can embrace the transition being weird and not actually blow things up unless you're at SciTech, but to 
figuratively blow things up when we're trying to get a point across. Barack, yeah. will you please insert a sound effect of blowing up right at the end of the episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. Excellent. I love that. This Thanks is a wonderful for having me. Yeah. Do you have Thank anything? You. No, this was wonderful. Do you have anything that you'd like to shout out in perpetuity? Any plugs you have? Any communities you want to say hi to? I, we've already plugged Jewish summer camp, but I will reiterate that. You know, I definitely feel that there is a camp for every person. Some people find it. Some people don't. Some people give up after one try. But Jewish summer camp. It's awesome. You should try it. Seconded. Seconded. Best day to reform congregation in Gladwin, Pennsylvania. Shout out. I'm really enjoying my time there. It's a great community. Yeah. I'm sure there are other things that I'm going to regret not shouting out, but I'll go with <laughs> that. So you tag them in the post when it goes live. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hashtag shout out. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Torah Smash. Our fiscal sponsor is Jewish Creativity International. Our theme music was created by Sean Fogel. You can check out Sean's bands and studio work at www.thesleepywest.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. It helps others find us and is an excellent way to support the podcast. We want to hear from you and continue today's nerdy discussion. Go to TorahSmash.com to find where to connect with us online, purchase swag from our store, support us with a donation, find previous episodes, and more. And I see our friends Statler and Waldorf have joined us. Well, fellas, did you enjoy listening to our Jewish and nerdy podcast? It's a completely different culture than our other podcasts. You said it. Everything here is immediately followed by lots of opinionated responses and sarcastic comments. Yep. We're finally where we belong. Ah. Sean Fogel would also make a great Muppet, by the way.